Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Really glad you're with us for the Monday Three Martini Lunch. Jim Garrity is on vacation. Rob Long, contributing editor at National Review, co-founder of Ricochet, host of the Martini Shot, and so many other titles along the way. I'm sure I forgot a couple. Rob, always good to have you with us. Thanks for your time. Happy to be here. I mean, whenever Jim's away, I guess I get a little shot at this. I'm the... uh didn't Jay Leno do this for Johnny Carson for years, and then eventually he took the big spots, and maybe you know Jay can just uh, uh, Jim can just stay away, and I can take over. <laughs> I'm not sure who the David Letterman in this scenario is, but uh... <laughs> yeah, that's right, right. No, no, no. I, that, that would be. Uh, I would I wouldn't. I wouldn't even take it if it was offered. I have my own martini uh, podcast going. That's right. Yeah, two two martini podcasts full time would be very very difficult. But uh, given given all your work with the martini shot, you're you're the perfect person to fill in for Jim when he's gone here on the three martini lunch. But I'm happy to say we actually have a good martini. That's not always the case, but uh, right. uh, today it's a good martini that follows up on our uh, bad and crazy martinis from last week's trip to Latin America for Vice President Kamala Harris, which. Um, I think could be described as rocky. Uh, the Guatemalan president basically said the Biden administration is at fault for the border crisis, which is certainly not what the Biden administration wanted to hear. Uh, and then Kamala, for whatever reason, simply won't go to the border or doesn't have a good answer for when are you going to the border. It just gets worse and worse with her answers. And this was so bad that it actually got brought up on CNN's Inside Politics. CNN actually pointing out that she had a terrible trip and a terrible week. Of course, uh, after they play the clips here of Kamala's terrible answers, the host, Abby Phillips, talks about this in a very sorrowful tone, which I'm guessing would be slightly different if it was the Republican administration. Rob, but uh, here's the, uh, the sequence on CNN on Sunday. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. I've said I'm going to go to the border. And I, when are you going to the border, the Vice President? The administration has asked. I'm not finished. <laughs> I've said I'm going to the border. It's just a little cringeworthy. And, um, I, and I know that her allies in the White House and elsewhere are watching it and just kind of wondering what is going on. How poorly did this go for her, her first foray onto the world stage? Well, it certainly didn't go the way the White House wanted it to go. Well, I think that's pretty safe to say, Rob. Uh, my, my basic takeaway last week is that uh, Kamala Harris is not a very good campaigner, and she's actually even worse at the job she she won as the new vice president of the United States. And so we're just kind of seeing that now. She's not particularly good on her feet, and she's not particularly good with policy, and that's just kind of being exposed now. But what do you make of the fact that she did have such a terrible trip and that even CNN, which is obviously very friendly <laughs> towards the Biden administration, is calling her out for it? I love the phrase, too. Um, you know, she's uh, it's cringeworthy, even for her. I think the, the line was even for her, uh, for the White House and her allies elsewhere. Um, <laughs> elsewhere would be the, the, the offices of CNN and The New York Times. Look, I mean, I mean, can I get a moment of defense for poor Kamala Harris? Yes, she's a terrible campaigner. She's been a terrible campaigner forever. Um, she could probably learn better on the better skills on the job. But there is a problem with the border. And that is is impossible to visit for an American politician to visit the border and not visit and be photographed at a detention facility. And we spent four years describing those in a certain way. And to see them again with Kamala Harris would be, um, you know, cognitive dissonance. Heads would explode across the country um, for liberal progressives would not be able to handle it. 
And, and there's no answer for why the, the detention facilities are roughly identical to what they were uh, under President Trump. So she is in a, in a bind. I mean, but you, you, you'd think not that she would have a policy answer for this, but that she'd at least have be a little bit more adroit than suggesting that a trip to the border is the same as a trip to Europe, where last I checked, there were not kids in cages in Europe. So <laughs> that, that's her problem. There's no solution to this. Um, except to sort of start getting honest about what needs to happen at the border, which is um, <laughs> don't hold your breath. Yeah, I've enjoyed uh, watching on social media people uh, turning that into at least a verbal meme where they say, uh, well, my personal trainer said that he hadn't seen me at the gym all week. And I said, well, haven't been to Europe either. Uh, so the, Europe either. it's one of the great non sequiturs, uh, at least in recent uh, politics. My question here, Rob, is could she get away with doing the uh, Secretary Mayorkas move, the DHS secretary, where he just kind of goes to El Paso or the Rio Grande Valley, uh, plane touches down, he goes into a meeting with some border officials and maybe some local politicians and leaves, never actually goes to the detention facility. Uh, could she get away with that or would uh, she get called out for not going to the border f- uh, detention facility? I think she would. I think she'd get called out. I think that somebody would show a picture of it. it, it it's it, it, the the problem is that there is no uh, there is no acceptable policy on the left or even the center left for the border, because every policy begins has to start with security and has to start with treating people who cross the border as if it's a it's a, a legal problem, which it is. So there's no so there's no solution once they box themselves to a corner, as I think you know they with their you know their the sort of deranged post-Trump uh, syndrome disorder, they can't they, they, they can't work their way to a policy. And so she should, I mean, were I sitting in her media team, I'd say, do not, lady, don't go to the border. You can't handle it. It's going to be too complicated. Um, go to Europe instead. That's what I would say. <laughs> Summer, you know, I think you can travel to France now. Well, she clearly can't handle it, uh, both in terms of <laughs> PR or in policy. I mean, she's proven that abundantly. Um, Jim has the idea that that Biden just kind of stuck her in a no-win situation here by by handing her this uh, thorny topic. But, uh, I mean, we've been looking at this now for pretty much five months, Rob. And while Kamala looks at root causes, which even if she fixes them, which she won't, but if she does, uh, it would take years to actually have an effect probably on the border situation, as Jim has also pointed out. And so, I mean, you got to get tough on border security and they just won't do it. I mean, this isn't rocket science as to how to immediately respond to this. But like you said, with their constituency politically, they just can't do it. And so the problem continues and they just pretend it's not happening. That's what so, I don't. So don't go there because if you go there, the cameras will follow. Um, the, the most astonishing thing is that the former attorney general of the state of California is so ill-equipped to handle this issue. She was the law enforcement chief law enforcement officer of the state of California. And she is, ha, does not have a ready-made, even if it, my God, even if it was just boilerplate nonsense that you and I would roll our eyes to, um, you know, at least have that, you know, show a little respect <laughs> rather than just chuckling and making some weird off-the-cuff comparison that you, that she just made up at that moment. You can see in her eyes. Um, so her, her, uh, her, her, it's not just the White House, but her allies elsewhere. That's very, I would consider myself very nervous where I Kamala Harris to hear CNN talk about her allies elsewhere who are concerned. That is not not a good message you want to get on a Monday morning. The biggest issue is the problem at the border, but uh, she can't even uh, handle the blocking and tackling, much less uh, getting the ball across right. the goal line here. So uh, let's talk about something far better than Kamala Harris's political skills or policy skills or anything she's working on these days and uh, talk about getting your body healthy. We deserve to know 
what we're putting into our bodies and why, and especially when it comes to something we take every day. Now, Ritual Multivitamins Clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms that your body can actually use. But what you won't find are sugars, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, and even artificial colors. So in addition to all that, they've got a fresh taste. It's got a great minty flavor. And the delayed release capsule design makes taking your vitamins really easily. I had the chance to try out Ritual Vitamins. Uh, you know exactly what's in there. They tell you, especially during the COVID era, but even at any time, uh, they have zinc in there, which I really, really like. That's great for your immune system. They got the B12. They got the vitamin C. Uh, it's going to make your immune system very happy. And so when you need uh, just a very quick, simple, tasteful way to get this done, that really does taste good, Ritual's the way to go. Ritual multivitamins are the multivitamin reimagined. Uh, it, you know, a normal multivitamin should contain key ingredients that informs your body can actually use to help fill gaps in the diet. No shady extras. And Ritual's delayed release capsule design helps deliver high quality nutrients, including vitamin D3, which my doctor tells me I do not have enough of. Uh, just two daily pills. It also makes healthy habits easy because your multivitamins are delivered to your door every month with free shipping always. You don't have to go to the store and look at that gigantic rack of multivitamins try to sort through it. You can start, snooze, cancel your subscription anytime. And if you don't love Ritual within your first month, they will refund your first order. So get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering three martini lunch listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash martini to start your ritual today. Again, ritual.com slash martini. All right, Rob, let's head over to China. China's having Uh-oh. a banner PR year as it is. Uh, we've gotten this sudden 180 from the media and the Democrats about how You know, this lab leak theory about the origins of COVID-19 was uh, silly conspiracy theory nonsense. And then all of a sudden over the past few weeks, well, guess what? Uh, It seems very, very plausible. And now we're going to look into it with seriousness, with no explanation about why they're suddenly uh, taking this uh, taking this route. But uh, nonetheless, China's got other problems. Again, CNN, uh, the U.S. government has spent the past week assessing a report of a leak at a Chinese nuclear power plant after a French company that owns Uh, part of it, and helps operate it, warned of an imminent radiological threat, according to U.S. officials and documents reviewed by CNN. The warning included an accusation that the Chinese Safety Authority was raising the acceptable limits for radiation detection outside the Taishan nuclear power plant in Guangdong province in order to avoid having to shut it down, according to a letter from the French company to the U.S. Department of Energy obtained by CNN. Despite the alarming notification from Framatome, I hope I'm saying that right, the French company, the Biden administration believes the facility is not yet at a crisis level. And so, Rob, anytime there's a uh, nuclear crisis, uh, (laughs) our our ears perk up. We know about uh, Chernobyl and, of course, Fukushima following the the earthquake and tsunami over there. And we know, of course, over the past year that just because China says there's nothing to see here, there might be something to see there. And if they keep saying there's nothing, there really probably is something to see there, especially if the French, who have a profit motive here and no reason to lie about this, say there could be a problem here. Um, How serious is this, do you think? I think it's really serious, but I think it's serious for a whole bunch of reasons. I mean, uh, (laughs) I can't believe I'm going to actually say I don't really mean it this way when I say it. But, you know, you look back on Chernobyl and... uh, Chernobyl was an entirely Soviet-made reactor with all Soviet-made technology and all Soviet-made people who worked there and Soviet-made regulators, which is one of the reasons why it was such a disaster. 
Um, this nuclear plant um, has a huge amount of engineering that comes from the French. The French are really good at this, by the way. They actually really are good at nuclear power. Um, you have to give the Chinese credit. Go to the experts. Um, but a lot of the technology, technology the French now need to use, according to the company, that they need to use is American technology and American process and t- tools that are on a list of things you can't give to the Chinese. Um According to you know the DOE and the way we sort of run our things here, um, so they've it's a very complicated thing. But they applied now. This is over a week ago. They applied on the third, I think, of June, um, for a waiver to be able to use this technology urgently in China. So it isn't as if they sort of said, "Hey, you know, we're good Samaritans here. We're just sort of raising a, a red flag." They said, "No, we need this stuff that you have. We need to take it to China and use it, and we need to do that really fast." Um, and of course, um, <laughs> that was over almost two weeks ago. So let's hope that the that qualifies as fast but what it what it should i mean no matter what happens what it should um alert us all to is that there are no more um isolated pieces of technology that we are all kind of enmeshed together uh and that so it does remind us of covid what happens at a wuhan lab you know i couldn't if you give me a million dollars right now i i probably couldn't point to anything close to where wuhan is in china I've been to China many times, so I'm like completely ignorant of where this thing is. I'm completely ignorant of where this particular power plant is. I know it's, I know the Guangdong province, but I couldn't, and it's actually quite close to Hong Kong, but I couldn't quite point it on the map. But that place is important to me. That Wuhan lab is important to me and you and everybody in the world. And this place is important because the French and American technology is going to have to go in there and save it if it's in trouble. Um, and that gives us a right to be a lot tougher on the Chinese right now and every day um that i think we're taking um and i i i you know if i'm again if i'm if i'm the bad media person and i'm sitting in kamala harris's office then i have to get on a plane and fly and sit in beijing i'm telling them you're gonna have to get right there's no amount of money that's gonna buy them out of another disaster like this well it also seems to me rob that uh you know you, you think that maybe you could cover up how the COVID-19 outbreak started. And now we found out that they can't do that, even though they've bought off the World Health Organization. Uh, It's still still coming to light. A nuclear leak is very difficult (laughs) to hide. So what's the point of lying if, in fact, it's happening? Is it just part of the communist culture that we can't possibly let bad news out here? Well, I think I I mean, I look, I know uh, I know about as much about nuclear engineering as I know about, um, you know, brain surgery, which is to say nothing or or macroeconomics, which is even less. But I I think that the that they are what they are hoping to do is to stave it off without trouble. So they're hoping that it's going to go away. It's an imminent threat. They um, one of I think one of the reasons why the French come to raise the red flag was because the Chinese regulators were raising the level of acceptable radioactivity in the atmosphere so that they wouldn't have to shut the plant down. Because shutting the plant down is something everybody knows you did, you did and why you did it. Um, so th- th- this could be this could actually go away, you know, and we'll never know, or it could get really really bad. The problem is in China. Things have to get really, really bad for us to know what's happening there. Um, and when it comes to things like uh, viruses and nuclear accidents, um, that's just unacceptable in the world today. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And, and, and once you have lost your credibility, as I think the Chinese have, um, it's very hard to convince people that everything's fine. Everything's fine. Nothing to see here. Move along. 
No, that's exactly right. This is probably the wrong story to point out that uh, we should be using more nuclear energy for. Our, I know, I know. I feel like I feel terrible about it. But I, but I would say, like, the, I mean, if, if a if a French nuclear energy company came to uh, a U.S. regulator and asked for something because they felt they needed it technologically, I would give it to them without even looking at it. I mean, the French are very, very good at this. They are. They have nuclear. Plant, nuclear power all over that country. Mm-hmm. They are very, they are very, very sophisticated technologically. They are the gold standard. We should be, we should be hiring from a from a from a moon. We should be hiring them to build nuclear plants all over the country. Um, as far as I'm concerned. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, look, if this takes down the the, the nascent nuclear power uh, movement. Uh, then I think that would be really a really a real tragedy, and the Chinese will have one more thing to answer for in my book. Well, I mean, it's been 42 years since Three Mile Island. Uh, can we stop uh, allowing Jane Fonda to not let us have uh, nuclear power? I mean, I feel like I feel like we're at that point now, but uh, not with this team in charge, probably. Right. Well, I mean, what other piece of technology do you trust from 42 years ago? I mean, everything else is that's vintage. Um, uh, you know, I, I mean, I remember those those years very well, but that's because I am vintage. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't want to use a, you know, a touch tone telephone. I mean, I wouldn't want to use a computer the size of a house. So the thing is, everything's gotten better. Everything's gotten smarter. People know how to do these things now. And they are doing them now in the world. They're doing them, in, as I say, in France and they're doing it very successfully. And that seems to me to be, I mean, you know, the left's always telling us, well, you know, well, Europe, they, they don't pay anything for health care. In Europe, this, well, how, you know, in Europe, they use nuclear power so let's we're gonna you know we're gonna start aping europe let's say let's start there yeah yeah just because jane fonda makes one hysterical movie <laughs> in the late 1970s uh we don't have movie, to, by the way uh, i'm it's sure a very good movie i'm but, sure it was well but it, produced yeah. but uh i mean you can't let that uh, dictate policy uh no. forever but uh hopefully we we head in that direction soon because i think it is the smartest way forward but uh look I'm comfortable with uh, nuclear power providing plenty of our domestic energy. I'm also comfortable with my pillow underneath Uh-oh. my head. Yeah, you like that transition? I uh, loved it. Yeah, thank you. Great. Thank you. But uh, as I've said many times, I love the my pillow. Uh, my whole family, I think, now is using them. And uh, even before they were a sponsor, I've used my pillow. Uh, great support for the head and the neck. And right now, you can refresh the pillows in every room of your home because the premium my pillow is at its lowest price ever. Yeah, for a limited time, you can get a queen-size premium my pillow for only $29.98. King-size pillows are only 5 bucks more. The p- pillows never go flat. They give you the best night's sleep every night, and they are made in the United States. And they have a 60-day money-back guarantee with a one-year limited warranty, which is pretty amazing when you talk about a pillow. Absolutely. So go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square. Enter the promo code MARTINI or call 800-874-0104. Now, while you're there, be sure to take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets and the new My Slippers. Get your premium MyPillow today for just $29.98, but only with our promo code MARTINI. Call 800-874-0104 or visit MyPillow.com today. All right, Rob, you mentioned in our last martini a couple areas where you're not an expert. There are a few, but uh, apparently brain (laughs) surgery and nuclear technology are on that very short list. One area where you are an expert, though, is uh, on Hollywood and screenwriting. You had an extensive uh, career in that that field. And uh, Tom Hanks is the focal point of our crazy martini here. But really, NPR's take is the crazy martini because in the New York Times, Tom Hanks wanted 
to press the point that we should teach more in our schools about the Tulsa race massacre. He says he only learned about it last year. He thinks that's obviously uh, not a good sign that most of the public doesn't know about it. And so he uh, writes at length. He says history was mostly written by white people about white people like me, while the history of black people, including the horrors of Tulsa, was often uh, left out. Until relatively recently, the entertainment industry, which helps shape what is history and what is forgotten, did the same. And that includes projects of mine. And so he says, today, I think historically based fiction entertainment must portray the burden of racism in our nation for the sake of the art form's claims to verisimilitude and authenticity. So you would think the left would love this, right? No, no. Uh, This is from NPR. And it says, anytime a story says, first, I must note how much I love Tom Hanks. You know, uh, it's, oh. you know it's not going to end well. But he loves Tom Hanks as a performer, Hollywood citizen, all-around stand-up guy. He even talks about how he's basically a mouthpiece for every uh, liberal cause out there. Uh, but the problem is the problem. He's not anti-racist, Rob. Uh, he's just not a racist. And so because he's not actively out there condemning racism, that is the problem, even though I think that's pretty much what his essay was about. Uh, but they point out that uh, you know he's in Saving Private Ryan, Greyhound, Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, Bridge of Spies, and News of the World. And it says, in other words, he is a baby boomer star who has built a sizable part of his career on stories about American white men doing the right thing. He even plays a former Confederate soldier in one of his latest films, News of the World, standing up for a blonde white girl who has been kidnapped and raised by a Native American tribe. But he's not alone. Superstar director Steven Spielberg has a similar pedigree, notwithstanding occasional projects like The Color Purple and Amistad. I would say those are fairly significant. And fellow director Ron Howard. These stories of white Americans smashing the Nazi war machine or riding rockets into space are important, but they often leave out how black soldiers returned home from fighting in World War II to find out they weren't allowed to use the GI Bill to secure home loans in certain neighborhoods or were cheated out of claiming benefits at all. So on and on it goes. They wanted to be far more active uh, in uh, dismantling racism and so forth. So no good deed from the perspective of the left goes unpunished here. Um, and so Tom Hanks, who's trying to be liberal, he's trying to uh, fly the flag here for uh, making changes. Not good enough because he's had too many roles uh, that involve white people, because I'm sure if he had roles that weren't white people, they'd love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I also love Tom Hanks. Um, um, I've met him a bunch of times. He is incredibly nice and thoughtful and smart. Very smart guy. I, I, I was confused. I wasn't sure why he wrote an essay in the New York Times in the first place. I mean, about certainly about the Tulsa race massacre. Um, I'm not sure why. What I mean, I never wondered what Tom Hanks thought about the Tulsa race massacre. I mean, he's not from Tulsa. I mean, not that he had to be from Tulsa. He's from Concord, California. Um, so it, it was a strange kind of connection. But, you know, Tom Hanks is a movie star. And so all the movies that star Tom Hanks are, are really about Tom Hanks, the movie star. Um, I don't mean that to diminish his work. His work is fantastic. But, you know, he's, that's what a movie star is. A movie star is a person whose name is so big that you go in and you want to see them on every frame, in every frame of every movie. Um, and if you're making a movie with Tom Hanks, my advice to you is to put him in every frame. He's a movie star. People like to watch him. So, I mean, it seems tautological to sort of complain about his body of work um, as sort of, you know, the problem with Tom Hanks's body of work is that they all star Tom Hanks and are really about what Tom Hanks' character is doing heroically. Because that's that is literally the definition of an American movie. Um, 
But okay. Uh, that said, I mean, he also has learned, uh, uh, I think, which is an unfortunate lesson that's uh, truly sad, which is that it, it, no matter what you, do, you say, it's not going to be enough that the people are going to demand this or that or the other from you and demand that you say it in words that they provide. And then you, you follow it up with actions that they have specified. And I, you know, it's sort of, it's, it's too bad because the larger point he's trying to make, which is that I mean, it, taking race aside, that there are enormous number of wonderful and interesting and tragic and uplifting and untold stories about the American experience starting from 1601 to today, um, and they should all be told, is he's absolutely right, and they should be told. And, and, and you should be able to turn on a channel on your TV or hit an app on your Apple TV and watch a show a miniseries or a documentary or a comedy about the American experience whenever you want. And we don't do that. Um, but I think one of the reasons we don't do that anymore now is not just that we're too busy, you know, whatever else we're doing, but we know that even Tom Hanks will get an earful if he tries. Uh, no matter what you do, you will be attacked for it because it won't be enough. And I have, I'm, you know, it's sort of sad because it's going to have the opposite effect. That the the what the effect you want here is for someone to say, "Hey, that's really great." Well, boy, that the 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 Tulsa massacre is an untold story in American history. Let's tell it. It's really fascinating, sad, tragic, and and um, but also absorbing and human. Um, and it's a, well, a it was a century ago. So what? How much more timely to do than than now? Um, and instead, were I running a I mean a, a studio or a network or anything like that, I'd be like, you know what? Let's not touch it. Let's tell something else. Let's not touch this one. Uh, and that is a terrible, terrible outcome. And an outcome that I think that no one's going to really profit from. Certainly not the, the angry mob that attacks uh, Tom Hanks for saying fairly boilerplate anodyne things in the New York Times. Right. So what you're saying is, is that no producer or director is going to want to touch it because no matter what they do with it, it's never going to oh, be yeah. enough for the people who want it uh, to be whatever they envision it to be. Well, they want, but their their prescription is so precise too. It's like it has it has to be exactly the way I would do it, the way I, and I'm going to vet everything, you know. So, in that respect, you're like you're it's you're doomed. You can't make a movie that way. So why bother? Why not just make another rom rom com with with Tom Hanks or, or science fiction, right? Just not tell these stories because these stories are going to get you into trouble. And I mean, can you imagine? All right, just a, a thought experiment. I mean, I am an old person. I'm 56. One of the most compelling and, and, and indelible things I ever saw on any screen was the miniseries Roots. You could not do that today. And just think about that. Like you could not put Roots on today. You couldn't – they couldn't even show it. If they said, look, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put Roots on again. If ABC said that, just, you know, just a miniseries, we're going to do that again. We're going to replay that show. They couldn't do it. So just – I mean, the question is, are we getting, I mean, shouldn't things be better now? But they're not. You can't, I I guarantee you, you could not show Roots today. Um, And that is um, truly, truly tragic. Amazing. But excellent point, Rob. I knew you'd have a great perspective on that. Thank you, as always, for being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow. Happy to be here. Rob Long, contributing editor, National Review, host of The Martini Shot, co-host of The Glop Podcast, co-founder of Ricochet, in for Jim Garrity today. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks very much for being with us. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We are very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Also remember to get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. You know, at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. And Rob is at RCBL. So... 
Please have a great Monday and join us again on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. The border crisis is not only endangering our national security, but it is greatly empowering adversaries like communist China and Russia. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, I'll also tell you about my interview with the president of Guatemala. And Wisconsin Congressman Tom Tiffany joins me to discuss what he learned about the crisis from his recent visit to the dangerous Darien Gap in Panama. You don't want to miss it. Subscribe to The Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.